Welcome, everybody, to the Tag You're It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I am Dave. And here we are again in the studio. We've got another busy day. So everybody um, in podcast land, we're going to try this again with a... you know, Three a bunch of shows, shows in one day, day to yeah. uh, slowly trickle out fun. to you guys and all the guys that are on here live. We thank you uh, for being a part of this yet again. We hope the whole day is awesome. So we've got a good slate of shows. And this one we wanted to start out with um, something we haven't done with or haven't done anything about in a long time. Which no, is kind of we haven't. Specifically pre-sup. What's up, even though. Every episode is pretty much... Yes, certainly. Certainly it is presuppositional apologetics. We're always hoping at at its finest, but we're always refining it because we're being sanctified and conformed to the image of Christ. Therefore, our reasoning abilities should actually um, get better. Our ability to understand the world as God has decreed it should ultimately be refined continually as Christ works his sanctification, Mm -hmm. his progressive sanctification through us, which is a powerful thing, and I'm really glad to get to be able to do this. Hey, Kevin Myers, so glad that you're watching us, and sorry again, last Wednesday I had a full day of ministry stuff and Mm -hmm. could not get out to Jeff City, and as those of you who know that are pastors, it is a busy time to be Mm -hmm. a pastor every day, and it's good. I'm glad. I was so blessed to have an individual... I was so blessed to have an individual reach out to me today and ask me about Scripture. And uh, I uh, certainly uh, was thankful that I could come up with an answer. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, all good stuff. Well, awesome. Well, yeah, just kind of a continuing uh, thing uh, from last time that we got together with uh, Missouri House Bill 2285. Um, If you guys want to, uh, please go to our website, uh, tagyouritministries.org. And if you hit articles, um, you'll see a new thing that says support HB or support Missouri HB 2285. And if you go to that, um, it's got a link to the House website. Um, where you can find your representative. If you go to that, you can type in your address and it'll show you who your district's representative is. And then below, uh, Joshua Jenkins, again, I thanked him last time. He also wrote a little copy and pasteable um, email that you can, you know, get that email from the website, put that in and send your representative an email. Also use it. If you, if you want to make up an original email, then use it as a guidepost of what they need to hear. Um, because it's, it's saturated with God's word. It's saturated with God's reality, um, that we need to be projecting and letting people know God exists. God is Lord. He is creator and they need to hear it from the authority, not just because it's our ideas, right? It is design. And so you just utilize that as a guidepost. Also, if you do want to, there's a phone number on there too, that you can contact. Use that again, use that email as that, uh, you know, get in the right mindset, pray before you contact, leave a message. If you get to actually talk to somebody, that'd be awesome too. So please, uh, if you're in Missouri, uh, please support um, that bill by 
contacting your representatives. They're meant to con. They're meant to represent you, and really, they're underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ anyway. So they need to be representative of the law of God in creation. So anyway, um, with that said, I think we're able to uh, get going with the show today. So um, Dave had uh, sent me some uh, links to some stuff that he'd got from someone else anyway to deal with. And we wanted to definitely have that pre-sup what's up time. And we found out that with these um, stories that we are um, going to go through, and this might be across multiple episodes um, that we deal with this, uh, but this is perfect uh, presupposition. Sorry, just had a question yeah, from no, someone about apologetics yeah. and uh, they saw that we were on here. So um, cool. yeah, I'm going to send this guy a message uh, so he can see us on the show. Maybe he'll check us out. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So uh, we, we did, this was a good time to uh, bring this precept. What's up? So um, as we get into it, um, things will unfold. And like I said, this might be a multiple episode thing over a course of weeks. Or and that's my like hope. That There's a lot of good in. stuff on mm-hmm. here. And you know, it's really interesting. My kids were the ones who introduced me to Good Mythical Morning, which had mm-hmm. Rhett and Link on it. Now I don't know exactly if Ear Biscuit is like a extension of Good Mythical Morning or Good Mythical Morning has ended and they started this more mature type of and then mature I mean like topic where they're not just doing crazy things but uh, mm-hmm. they're discussing maybe a little bit more of the deeper deeper articles of uh, 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 elements of, of spirituality i have no clue what the yeah. whole deal is so. yeah and if you yeah. and if you don't know these guys you've seen them if you're if you're thumbing through on facebook i didn't know what dave was talking about until i i sat down and looked at the link that he sent me and i was like oh these are the two guys that do like weird science experiments like dumping coffee through a brita water filter and like mountain dew <laughs> and just seeing like how much it takes out you know stuff like that so i knew of these guys i just didn't know these guys so um i'm going into from like knowing very little about these guys to I'm watching videos of their personal stories and I didn't know anything about having a journey through uh, their faith. Yeah. And, little and did I know up and they like worked that, so. with Paul Visser of, Viz- of Veggie Tales mm. uh, for a while. So these guys were, were pretty big, um, pretty big wigs in what I would say like popular evangelical, mm-hmm. you know, community. They worked with big folks. And of course, as it, te- as it, kind of seems to go and they tell a little bit more in these stories but they ended up going out to la uh mm-hmm. sometime after college to kind of pursue full-time entertainment and that's kind of where they started the youtube channel and began to move forward so yeah, yeah. and they were early adapters i mean they grabbed youtube and picked up a channel all the way back in like 2005 so i mean they were moving forward really quickly uh, they were progressive at least uh yeah. in their creation of a youtube page and their ability to get followers and of course they're one of the largest youtube channels i believe uh out there so yeah yeah, yeah. so i guess with that said you know let's get into uh this video again uh they put out a couple of them and like we want to deal with both of them um but we picked uh link's story First, so they both uh, on their uh, so their Air Biscuits podcast, uh, YouTube video, whatever they're um, putting all this stuff out on. Um, they have two separate episodes where they discuss their journey um, from being born into, I guess, families um, that were Christian, going to church. Um, so they kind of talk about uh, past experiences that's kind of made them into where they are now. Um, so we've got both of them, but today we are just we're going to open up Link's story. Um, 
And first I want to end with the end of Link's story because they are doing this for a reason. They're putting it out there um, for discussion, conversation. Um, these They both at least say that they're open to discussion and con conversation and understanding. Um, so if they truly are um, here, you know, they, I think they were expecting, you know, we should expect backlash all the time, especially if we're putting ourselves out there um, via these uh, mediums and stuff like that. So they're expecting it and whatnot. And so, you know, we're probably one of many people dealing with this. Yeah. Um, so I, I was really yeah. surprised actually that we hadn't heard anything from apology or from James White on this. I'm sure yeah. people have sent him the link. So we'll do our best to pick up there and uh, follow yeah. up something that uh, others probably have sent them links to and they just have not been able to get around to we get yeah. to get to it yes that's so, right yeah we get, we're gonna we're gonna take our chances on this because we know uh chance doesn't exist <laughs> but right. the providential hand of god exists in this so uh we just uh you know just think about this pray that pod this is podcast can be a means to maybe they stumble upon it and they listen to it and maybe we can have a conversation and the reality yeah. is probably youth in your church are familiar with these guys Okay. And the things that they're going to say are going to be regurgitated by kids in your church who admire these guys, think they're really smart, think they're really great, really goofy. And again, they sound really reasonable uh, and they're trying to be very disclosing and very genuine. You can hear mm. it in their tone. And so we don't want to make light of that by any mm. means. I don't think that's any of our goal at all or to try to yeah. pick at them, but it would be inappropriate of us to not respond as believers, even according, and we'll see, even according to their invitation. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to start with the end here because uh, Rhett kind of comes in and goes, here's um, what we want to see happen. And so, I mean, I, I respect it. I want to hear their story. Um, I want to, I, I, I wish that we could do things 100% Rhett's way. Um, but then again, he's neglecting to understand a few things. So I think we need to hit that first and then we'll rewind and then go to Link's story. So um, here we're going to pick up. This is Link's spiritual deconstruction. If you want to look up the whole thing on YouTube, it's on there on, under Ear Biscuits. But uh, let's uh, start with the end and then go back. I want to have a conversation happen. Yeah, well, maybe we can help. Listen, I'm not trying to be... I'm not trying to dictate how the conversation should go from here, but let me just say just a couple of thoughts that I have about the conversation that will happen as a result of these stories kind of going out to the public. Most people, and I totally get why this is the case, are going to interact with our stories in whatever way makes sense according to their predetermined worldview. Right. So if you're a Christian and you're not a Christian that has had a lot of doubts or you're just like 100% sure that you're right, uh, you're most likely, you're going to filter us through your theology. Just like I was talking about at the beginning of my story. So you may conclude that, well, you guys were definitely never actual Christians. It was an intellectual thing that, that's specifically addressed in the Bible. And, you know, yeah, specifically we will that address that. Yeah. And that is, it would be wrong for us to not yeah. do that. God's word gives us a very clear statement in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they... All are not of us. Anyone who says, well, I'm not really a Christian or I was a Christian and then I left the faith was never mm -hmm. really saved. They convinced themselves that they were. And one thing that you'll see in these arguments is that both of them relied on their arbitrary mind or their mm -hmm. autonomous mind in order to try to reason through, oh, I can weigh these things because my mind is the ultimate standard of what is true and what is right. Problem with that is what is truth? And they can't answer that. And we're going to see that. And so yeah. therefore, one other element that I think is really important is when he says that everyone's going to weigh this according to their theology. Well, wait a second. You just told us, and we'll see this, that you have left 
the belief in a objective God, a triune God who spoke existence into reality, right? And once you have left that God, you have now created a state of incredible arbitrariness in which you don't have a definition for what is true. You have no measuring mechanism by which to evaluate anything. Mm-hmm. You have no reasoning that you're able to use according to your own worldview that would allow you to come to a conclusion. You have left any foundations for reason via uh, mm-hmm. the laws of logic, yeah. and therefore you can't even evaluate because you have no starting point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I understand why you have to believe that. I don't accept that, but I can't make you change your mind. Uh, why don't you accept that? that yeah. Why don't you accept that? Yeah. And again, that's... that. You've never disproven, and the problem is you've never given us a basis, and you're going to see this in the entire argument. There's never been a basis given or a foundation given by which to evaluate whether your reasoning mechanisms were faulty or defaulty. Yeah, right? I mean, like most of it, and if you go back and watch, and we'll, we'll deal with Rhett um, another time too, but you know, you hear the words, I think, um, I think this, and so it made me question that. And so you see the two circles going on here. And so as presuppositionalist, okay, presup what's up here, we admit circularity. And I finally had a conversation the other day with somebody in the barber chair where he was actually, well, as long as at least you admit to circular reasoning. And I'm like, I admit to a sense of circular reasoning. I've done that the whole time. Thank you out of all these conversations for finally like spitting it back out to me that so I know that you know that I finally admit to being circular because I got another buddy on the internet that seems like he forgets every time he talks to me, but <laughs> I admit circularity and I'm totally fine with it. And he never, we ne- and that's where the conversation stops because Again, he's not willing to all admit. All ultimate authorities rely on a circularity because yeah. they are an ultimate. You cannot yeah. divert back to something else because yeah. it would not be an ultimate authority. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's just the issue. So, um, so first, you know, we got to get Rhett to go, Okay, I admit whenever I say I think, like everything is in a realm of an opinion, I don't know anything, and I'm going to act out of I don't know and let you know that everything that I do is an argument from ignorance. Whenever I say I should do this, it's an argument from ignorance because he has no basis of should and should not. So if we can get that admission from somebody, then we can actually progress a conversation pretty well. But, you know, it has to go back to those foundational things. The only thing I ask about, and I hope that this was clear and Link made it, I try to make clear and Link try to make clear that we are just kind of telling our story, trying to be as honest as possible about what transpired in our lives that kind of led us to this point. And I would love if the conversation would be, tell us your story, right? Or, it, it, you know, you don't have to, like I said, I know people are going to send a lot of arguments, probably especially to me because I'm the one that talked about all the, you know, the specific arguments about evolution or Old Testament archaeology and that kind of thing. So people are going to try to send resources and books. Have you, have you heard this? Have you read this article? And I'm not saying don't do that. Some people won't be able to help yourself because I wouldn't have been able to help myself if I was in your shoes, you know. But I would just hope that you would just actually try to consider our stories from the point of, hey, we're just humans trying to be honest. We're your online friends <laughs> trying to be honest. Uh, and just consider just consider the story on its face. Don't just immediately try to fix us. Try to fix us or try to make it fit into your system because I think that that... And that's one thing is I have to say, Rhett, we can't do that. So there is no neutral land here where we can actually ground definitions, again, like we've already said. Um, you're, you're looking for a neutral zone to where you're, you're asking us, and this is the precept what's up of this section here, is um, I, I've seen Jeff Durbin. I've used it as well. You've got, say, two platforms here, right? At least let the, the neutral realm. And here's the Christian realm. Here's the non-Christian realm here. And what you're wanting me to do is you're, you're trying to make me step out 
with, with all my tools onto this platform, really you don't have anything that you're standing on and you're going to meet me over here. Nothing's really changed at all. And so basically you're asking me to lose from the very beginning. Yeah. Whenever you do that. So you want, you, you hear my story. That's my story is without this God who has revealed reality. I am just like you and know nothing. And so if I come off of my, my revelation, then I'm, I'm exactly where you are. And that, that's where, that's where you want me to be. But then, you know, I'm going to have to tell you, you know, I'm going to get in the car with you and then I go to your destination, but are you willing to come to my destination? That's right. And that's going to be seen, you know, if we were to ever have a conversation where, you know, whose car are we driving? Again, we're talking about circular reasoning here. Which one's virtuous? Which one is vicious? Which one makes sense of all predication? There's my story. I cannot move in knowledge without the God who has spoken, the triune God who has spoken. That's right. That's, I think that the world's got so much polarization right now. People are like, I'm right, you're wrong, that's it. And more than ever, and it's interesting, we're so, we're, much, so, we're so much better connected to one another than we've ever been, but we're also so divided. All right, um, stop it right yeah. there. So there you begin to see the borrowing, or what I would call the stealing from mm. the Christian worldview. Yeah. What is now happening is that's that's uh, Link. That's Rhett. That's Rhett. All right. Mm-hmm. Rhett is the one with the beard. Yeah. Rhett is now making an objective moral claim about divisiveness and conflict. He have not. He has now stepped out onto a platform of making a moral declaration. It is morally evil. It is bad for people to have mean discussions mm-hmm. that's a moral statement the problem is he has no foundation he's left the foundation that can make objectively moral statements but he won't even own the fact that he has done that he has mm-hmm. no justification for saying that dissension is bad polarization is bad he just basically tells you i don't like it yeah and i mean you can you can point out our well you're a christian this is your you know this is what i've understood from the scriptures in my past how you're supposed to act, but you know, when you do that, you are literally borrowing. You you have to borrow capital from our worldview to have this discussion. So, and you know, so, one thing I, yeah. I I I hate to do this because you know we never know exactly who's watching the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know who's listening to the podcast. Maybe hopefully someone that likes our podcast has recommended it to someone else. Like someone who likes the live cast has recommended it or shared it with someone else. When we talk about the Christian worldview, we recognize that without Christ, there is no justification for the laws of logic, which mm-hmm. and whereby reasoning is possible. And why by that we mean this, there are universal timeless, changeless truths that are immaterial, that are part of reality, right? The Christian worldview provides the only mechanism or the only justification for those rules. What Rhett is trying to appeal to is a moral absolute. Mm -hmm. When he is making a moral statement, that's nice. People make moral statements all the time. But can you make a moral statement without a reasoned justification to do so. He's just spent an hour on one of the podcasts trying to say, I've left faith. I've left the Christian faith. There there might be a God, but I've left that idea. Therefore, he's left morality. And so when he starts to complain about the idea that there is some type of moral dilemma that exists when people are in contention, he has demonstrated a fundamental 
inability to reason without a Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. Horrible irony. That's kind of the nature of the information agent. I, I just don't want that kind of conversation to happen in our community where people are throwing rocks at each other and, you know, mm -hmm. insulting one another and calling, you know, listen, there's going to be people from both ends of the spectrum who are going to engage in this conversation. Please see people's humanity, see our humanity. And don't just resort. Yeah, and that's the you know, and that's just kind of the thing is, is I can see your humanity because I have an objective definition that I don't have to rely on you to tell me what it is. Like you, you are inherently an image bearer of God, but you are a rebeller against God too. I mean, there's there's baggage that comes with whenever you want me to recognize your humanity, I definitely can do that. Um, but it has to have a definition. Like I can't just be told human humanness. And I mean, you can talk about universals all day, but if you're going to talk about a universal, you're talking about nothing. Or again, you can talk about particulars and you've done the same thing. You're talking about nothing. You're, there's no real definition. You're just appealing to some concept, but it's going to be up to the person that you're talking to their definition. Whenever they hear recognize humanity, I'm asking you, okay, well, then you're begging for their definition of you. And in a world without God existing and speaking, then that's all you have is you have a bunch of particulars fighting with each other because they all have different, differing definition of what human humanity is and what humanity should and should not do and all these kind of things. So you, it's one of those things you don't want to embrace the world that you have accepted. You hate your worldview. But at the same time, saying you love your worldview and because you're absurd. The worldview that you so, created. Yes. So, you know, just to let you know, if you want to borrow capital from my worldview, please admit it. But then again, yeah. he's appealing to, and this is all, these are always so simple. Yeah. And I don't say that to be mean. I say that to quote Jason Lyle, right? It's so simple to see the inconsistency, right? Uh, just again, we've taught on what we call the AIP sequence, which is what mm -hmm. we've we've borrowed from uh, Jason Lyle, and that is arbitrariness, inconsistency, and presuppositions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah the preconditions. Um, of preconditions of intelligibility. Yes. Yeah, sorry. And so what we see here is he is not only being arbitrary and inconsistent, he doesn't have any mechanism by which to argue to the preconditions of intelligibility and part of the preconditions of intelligibility do incorporate the idea of humanity having value and dignity he demonstrates in his appeal to there is value and dignity within other human beings he has no justification for saying that once again it's inconsistent with the worldview that he pre the the worldview that he is trying to preach it is not only inconsistent it's arbitrary because it's well this is what I think, this is what I think, this is how I'm reasoning, and then therefore he demonstrates his absurdity, even in trying to appeal to, well, we're all human. What does it mean to be human? Why is there any value in human beings? Why do human beings have value over a bug, right? Mm. We don't send people to jail for squishing bugs, right? In fact, we give people money to kill bugs so that they don't invade our homes. Why yeah. is that immoral? Well, according to Link and Rhett now, it, it can be immoral. It might as well be immortal because we are only higher evolved ancestors or highly evolved cousins of those insects with which we want to extinguish, right? Mm. And so he is not reasoned enough or is unable to reason to the point where he actually can provide a justification for his worldview. Yeah. Uh, parents, if you are listening to this and you have youth, you've got to be sure to deal with this reality. Yeah.
Yeah, and I mean, it's just so much. I mean, I've seen that sign and the meme and everything. It's like you got pet to food, right? And you've got all these animals lined up, and it's asking, you know, where you draw the line. <laughs> and I've seen people draw lines, you know. It's like, well, here's an economic crisis. I'm going to go from the rabbit over, you know. And it's one of those things, like, what you've literally just done there, and you've admitted to an arbitrary line. And so, But you can make a justification, well, here's every day. Here's an economic crisis and here's an apocalypse, right? They're all arbitrary. Just because you have a reason that you can give yes. doesn't mean you actually have a absolute, universal, transcendent, objective reason for what you do. So just because you can give reasons doesn't mean it's true. That's <laughs> it right. doesn't mean it means you're arbitrary. You might feel it and other people might agree with you, but you still haven't hit the truth button reality what is the real deal as it really is yeah yeah so right yeah um so here's a couple more seconds and then we'll end up going to link's story or to just putting your feet in into your trench and just holding your position consider somebody consider somebody's viewpoint you know i also wonder if people's takeaway is you know, yeah and so you know we want to consider your viewpoint but like with this the reason why this was so important getting into um was just the fact of we would like to meet you but we cannot fully meet you. There is no place for neutra neutrality. And it is a worldview issue as you recognize. You recognize the worldview differences. You recognize that there is reason for worldview differences and there is no neutrality. And that's what you want. And it's, we, we would love to have that easy neutrality. But the fact is, of the matter is, is it doesn't exist. And so if you... So it's one of those things, if we could get in a conversation, like a real conversation with these guys, um, they would have to recognize that and respect that. We can give grace going, we believe that your image bearers made in the image of God, you've rebelled against him, and we want to preach the gospel to you. And that's fine, um, you know, but there's still no neutrality in that. Um, but we can give that grace because God is good to all. We are to be good to all um, in certain distinctive ways. So. Um, so with that said, um, we'll get into Link's story here. So just give me a few seconds to rewind. Here is uh, the beginning of uh, Link's story. So, you know, basically they've, they've chit-chatted. Um, this is what they want to do is just share their journey, um, having the conversation. So let's listen to their story, um, but let's go through it. And like I said, you know, we will do this over a bunch of episodes. Um, so we'll hit what we can here, um, and then we will come back to it at a later date. We're not going to stop this until we... Um, get to it because this is a very good teaching moment because um, here here's the world where it lives. There's a lot of nominal Christians. There are kids that are growing up in their homes with their families. They've had an implicit faith for so long. Um, you know, they don't totally understand everything. They're not getting taught everything. Yes, it's an imperfect world, but you can't just leave, right? And here's one you reason find that the this should also, and again, this resonates yeah. with me because they actually were part of a Southern Baptist church. Yeah. A Southern Baptist megachurch, I might add. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is the deal: is you're going to see, you know, and it's it's heartbreaking because you're going to see a lot of um, just a lot of um, platonistic sort of uh, Christian ideas. Did they ever really actually deal with them, or did they stay in this uh, meme mode of understanding what these things are? How did they did they ever get taught that no God has condescended? You can't transcend yourself, um, and so they easily left because. Um, 
either they weren't taught or they were taught and they left anyway. So they're only going to give you one side of the story, right? Um, There's stuff that we cannot know. And so we have to deal with the fact that we cannot know and we cannot make arguments. uh, And one of the things, like if you listen to, and I would encourage anyone to go back and actually listen to both Rhett and Link's story and then come back and listen to our interaction or listen to our interactions and then go back and listen to them. One of the things I find in Rhett, the guy with the longer hair and the beard, right? Yeah. one thing I find disturbing, and I know we're dealing with Link's words, but one thing I find disturbing, remarkably disturbing in Rhett's um, story is that he was ushered into a role of leadership mm-hmm. without proper discipleship. And it's really clear. Like, he doesn't directly say that, but man, yeah. it becomes exceptionally apparent. And it should speak to not only the elders in his church, anyone who allowed him to be in a place of leadership in a teaching position, which he was unqualified to do. Vet yeah. your leaders. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. This is not just like a random thing. This, is ha- this happens all the time. So this is rampant and a problem and that uh, we need to, as not just a Southern Baptist, but anywhere. Yeah, needs to and, deal with. and as a pastor, I can certainly confess, like I'll own it completely. I have put people in leadership positions that now I wish, man, they were not ready. And I didn't know. I understand that problem. Go back and own it, right? Disavow mm. those folks who were wolves in sheep's clothing yeah. and they didn't even know it, right? That's right. You know what? There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. That's right. right. As long as you have shown a repentant heart. So That's there's right. you know, two, two sides of the coin there. So let's get into Link's story. Well, maybe. I got to turn some stuff back up. (laughs) Oh, you had to turn it off because Mm. of the Pampers commercial on YouTube. (laughs) Go back. I want to start by telling a couple of stories just to give you snapshots of, just to help you feel what it was like to be me growing up in an evangelical Christian environment. So um, I'll just go ahead and get into the first story. In 1988, I was 10 years old, and Louise Creek First Baptist Church, the church that I'd gone to my entire life. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have any memories of not going to this church. It's also the church that you started going to with your family when you you moved here in first grade. Um, They were holding a revival. Uh, which is a series of nights where you get together and uh, there's speakers and it, it gets real. Um, it didn't happen all the time, but it did happen this year. Gets and it was called real. Contact 88. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's one of those things, you know, you, I'm going to sit here and stay here, say right now, most revivals, I'm going to say 99% of revivals that happen in America at Southern Baptist churches are not revivals. No. They are special meetings, and I, I'm going to say that there are good things. You're getting together, you're hearing the Word of God, and uh, you're coming together as a church, as you should, because you're probably not meeting any other time other than Sunday and Wednesday. So I am thankful for that. If I just wish you continue. Um, but the thing is, if you're going to go and you're going to say, God is going to going to do something this week i'm sorry you're scheduling god so that's the first problem unfortunately he didn't understand that yeah, and so he's only going off what he saw that. this is supposed to be revival and it's about making decisions and so um he is seeing something so basically in his mind he's going to be fighting against and and believing against something that is not true but he never went to go what is the truth about their revivals is this is what my church doing correct or is it not correct yeah and then going i would like to correct it because these are my brothers and sisters that i've been around and know me and i want to go how can i help be a means in my church because we're all supposed to do that in correcting the problem of decision making revivals that are totally unbiblical yeah red with like a, a, a cool 80s font Contact it seemed more like it was about like extraterrestrials getting to know us, right? But it was really about making contact with God, I think, in an Irish guy. 
<laughs> was he not Scottish or was he Irish? Uh, well, I as you know, he, I'm, I'm trying to blur the lines between those two things. These days. Isn't it yeah. interesting that what Scottish they remember Scottish. about so the from out of town, revival is um, that they had a speaker who was Scottish? Yeah. What was preached? Preaching, at least on this last night, like the culmination night, this is the big one. Uh, people going to make decisions this night. Um, he's, he gives a sermon right and explains Right there is problematic. Every, mm-hmm. The decision night. Yeah. Every time the word is preached, we should be making a decision. Every time we get into our Bibles, we should be making a decision. John Frame says so clearly in his systematic theology, every time we encounter the word of God, it either changes us for the better or the worst. Yeah. And obviously... That was not something or a theology that was preached from behind the pulpit. That was not a bibliology that was teached from behind the pulpit, right? Mm-hmm. And so, problematic right there with yeah, their church. so he starts off. Pastors, and, and I mean, we can't be a doctrinal perfectionist. I mean, we're Calvinist. We believe in grace. We preach grace. We have to act in grace and Sorry. go. But we can say, here's a red flag. His first experience here is making a decision, right? So, this is... A, already anthropocentric yes his salvation is based on him making a decision and following it himself and understanding who god is himself. yes and you're going to hear him say that it's all yeah. about him yeah and this is why he's here today every person who's born into this world is born in a sinful state um, amen even if, before you've done anything wrong you have a compulsion to do things wrong you have this no no wrong you're in poor sin. theology yeah no Not no a compulsion. Go for it. you are a sinner you are dead. And you're dead in your sins and trespasses, and you need salvation. You need a heart change. You have to have this heart of stone taken out and given a heart so of flesh. The new covenant here, says, I will send my spirit on people. You wouldn't have to teach in each other to know God, but they will all know me. Why? Because God teaches them. And here's the problem. Like, you can see it right there. Here's a guy who said, well, I've studied mm-hmm. the serious things of theology, right? He's later going to say that he's studied the serious things of theology. That is not a deep theological understanding. That is yeah. cookie cutter. Yeah. Uh, throw it out there to the masses, simplistic, uh, yeah. simplistic ideals. Yeah. No, we are dead in sin. That's yeah. the miracle of salvation. God took the dead person and he raised them to life. God took the God hater and he changed them into one who seeks to glorify God. Yeah. Uh, this is what is crazy. And this guy was a teacher, Yeah. right? Well, it's, it's one of those things, this is what I want to say though. Either he was taught these things that were wrong or he didn't listen. Yeah. So we can't, again, we're, we're talking about something we don't know, but we can, I think we can reason to say, Either he was taught wrong or he was taught right and didn't get it and didn't continue to wrestle. He quit. That's right. Put that in quotes. And God, who created you, is being perfectly just, just cannot abide by this these shortcomings. It's not no, God yeah, can't yeah, abide yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah, God can't abide by these shortcomings. Again, you're, he's saying here, this is how he's understood sin. Sin is not just a shortcoming. Like, That's you right. are in rebellion. Like, we were all in rebellion. If we're saved, we're not in rebellion because we have again like i said that new heart that we want to please god but without that heart we can't do anything but it's not just i don't have them i don't make just mistakes that's right as the joel olstein meme oh sins oopsie daisies you mean no it's not that kind of a thing it's like we are an open rebellion against our creator who has given us everything and so if again were you taught that was it that you were taught that these were just shortcomings that God couldn't deal with because they were annoying? Or is it the fact, or did you get taught that we are in rebellion and we're slapping God in the face every time we draw our breath and, and say, nope, it just happened that way. 
Science, when describing whatever. those who are under <clears throat> sin, yeah. Paul writes, quoting from uh, Psalms, that no one seeks for God, all have... Ooh, I didn't know I had my phone still on. Sorry about that. It's all right. <laughs> I thought I put it on silent. God bless you, whoever you yeah, are. Yeah, but yeah, Paul <laughs> says, and I mean, he's it's quoting the Old Testament, right? He's saying, so this is something that... Their throat is an between. open grave. Yeah. It doesn't sound like, according to God's word, it was... Oh, you make some mistakes. It yeah. was, you are desperately hating God. As we've mm-hmm. said before on the podcast, and as I've yeah. said in sermons, it's not like we're drowning in sin and God comes by in his boat and he sends us a right life raft. It is, we flip him the finger and we dive down, right? Yeah. That is where we are. Yeah. As humans. Um, so that's got to be punished. You got to. And the punishment is not just... You're already under wrath. According to John 3, we're already under wrath. Not it's got to be punished. You're under God's wrath. And it's one of those things, if he gives you like $5 billion to live 80 years on, to then it burn up in judgment day, everything that you did will show rebellion. It will go away. You'll You'll have nothing... And if you're not in Christ, you're, you're going to be like, well, I don't want you anyway, for one. If you're in Christ, even if you have all that stuff, it's going to be a, it's going to be gone away and you're going to be saved by the skin of your teeth. But you have to be in Christ. You have to acknowledge his lordship. That's right. And if you're not acknowledging his lordship, since Jesus said himself that all authority in heaven and on earth is his, if you're saying that anything against Jesus in this video, you are an out, you're not just making mistakes. That's right. You're, you're an outright rebellion and you know it. That's right. Standard of perfection. Well, that that shortcoming needs to be paid for. Standard of perfection. Of so, that is again a, so, an extreme. Go for it. Yeah, I'm just saying he just doesn't know the gospel. Yeah, he was it's he either not, he wasn't taught the gospel correctly, or he just didn't listen and care to because he was off doing other things that nominal Christians do because they're working. God's standard of holiness mm-hmm. has been assaulted by your life. You have mm-hmm. made an assault on God's holiness. That's different than saying, oh, well, he needed to pay for our sins. No, you were guilty un, uh, under sin and condemnation. God's law still applies, mm-hmm. right? We will never be able to attain God's law, right? We will never be able to live up to God's law. You are under God's law. You are in Adam. Now you can be in Christ, but you are guilty of the full penalty of the law, which Mm -hmm. is death. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it just comes down to where did he start? A decision and a either a horribly understood gospel or a horrible gospel being preached. That's what it came to this concept of eternal separation from God. And I'm, I'm pretty sure there was a mention of like eternal torment. In, okay, in some eternal hell, separation right? is a really um, poor piece, and it actually doesn't really say that in scripture, mm-hmm. right? It is God is there in hell, by the yeah. way. God is there in hell. Let me tell you that God is in hell. His full wrath is on you. His unmitigated wrath is upon you for eternity. Mm-hmm. That is not. You would want separation from God. You would want separation from God because you are under the weight of His wrath. And really, because that's... there is no. There is no grace upon you. There is no generalized grace that you have access to, right? Taking a deep breath. That is only because of God's grace that you can do that, right? Yeah, yeah. and so, yeah, the, you want to be separated. Yeah. You don't want his presence. That's the whole point. Adam and Eve wanted to be like, no, this is our kingdom, and you don't have to be here. 
they weren't saying you can just hover over a head and just let us do our thing. No, whenever they sinned, they said, we don't need you. We've got all this stuff. Um, it's, it's around here and we can have dominion and we can do it ourselves apart from you. Um, right. They spit in his face and you know, the covenant was over. And so we were relegated Adam and his progeny were relegated to sin. We were relegated to a sinful world that would throw thorns and thistles and, and it would be hard to work and all that kind of stuff. But then we continue to see God showing grace um, whenever he provides them clothes, whenever he says uh, that, uh, that he would send a deliverer to squash or to crush the serpent's head. And we go through the covenants and all, of the, all the way down to the new covenant and down to today. Um, again, he wasn't either, again, misunderstood gospel or being preached a horrible one. So as a 10-year-old, just imagine 10-year-old Link. I was still sleeping with a pound puppy, mm-hmm. you know? And this was, this was a big deal. It, this is something that was talked about in our church, but it was different in revival. You were really listening. And I was like, this is a big deal. I mean, eternal damnation, that's scary. And especially if it's coming from a guy who came all the way from Scotland or Ireland to tell me about it. But you think he was rolling his R's, which I think is a Scottish thing. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, in, it was enrapturing. Yeah. But it scared the shit out. I just love his accent. How could it not scare you, you know? Um, but then he explained that God is not only perfectly just, he's also perfectly loving. And he wants to make another way for us to have a relationship with him and not be eternally separated or currently separated from God. And it turns out God's solution is that he sent his son to come to earth, come to earth Jesus, live a perfect life, mm-hmm. never deserve an ounce of punishment or God's wrath mm-hmm. or hell or damnation, but then willingly take it on himself anyway. And he was executed, hung on a cross, crucified, died, and paid the penalty instead of us as individuals paying the penalty. And then he rose from the dead. He resurrected, and now he's seated at the right hand of God, and mm-hmm. he's listening to this sermon right now. Mm-hmm. So, and he also is God. And he also is God. That's an important part of that, too. And that happened That happened some 1,988 years ago at the time. And, well, all you, yeah, give or take. Give or take 33. <laughs> yeah. So, you got, so then he, Scottish dude explained, all you got to do is accept the fact that he took the punishment that you deserve. And that's wrong. Yeah. And, you also and that's up, wrong. No. Yeah. It's not, I mean, you must believe. Yes. But it's that's that's cheap grace. Yeah, and cheap grace yeah. is no grace at all, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he got and that so one right. There's a lot more to it, and I understand. Like, here's here's what we need to understand: is from both sides, you're going to have a faith at the start to then move forward. So it's not like you can leave. Like you can be ten years old and not understanding everything. You don't have to be a doctrinal perfectionist you don't have to know everything and like augustine this quote is i have a faith that seeks understanding if you understand the alternative position it's still the same thing it's just you feel better about it than over here but it's still you have a faith to seek understanding because you have to start somewhere you have to presuppose something you have to have faith in the laws of logic when you can't prove them without circularly reasoning right so we have we all have a faith to seek understanding so basically is you didn't get it and now you're reflecting on the fact that you didn't get everything and i mean this is just you know this i I, i'm sorry for the way things were taught or not understood but this is not reasons to leave you've got to wrestle just like jacob wrestled we've got to wrestle 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 that's called perseverance of the saints and so if you leave because of that this is why our position goes, I don't believe you were ever converted. I don't believe God ever gave you that heart of flesh. Unless if I see repentance. Now, if you repent here in a few years and you come back and say, hey, I lived like five or 10 years where I spit in God's face, but here I am because of God's grace, then A, 
stinking men. That's going to be an awesome testimony to see, and I pray it for you. That's right. Um, so I can't deal in finalities, but I can call you out today. That's right. And say you are not acting like a Christian, or if you, or you're not acting like you ever were. You were a part of a society, a social movement. Well, and that, that you gets deeper in, as you get deeper yeah. into their yeah stories. You yeah. find that that's what it was. I liked yeah. these people. I liked what they did. I wanted to be like that. If that's what you want, you've 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 wanted the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. If it isn't. I want God. I want Jesus. I want to know my creator. I want to glorify him. If that's not what you want. Yeah. And I never hear that anyways, by the way. Your pew, yeah. You got to walk down here in front of everybody, by the way. But man, I was so scared. And I was like, I knew other people. I knew you had already done this. Well, can I just say, I remember being in contact at 88. And I remember, I remember seeing you get up. And uh-huh. you know I was thinking, I was like, it's about damn time. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I did this when I was six. Yeah. I was like, what, I mean, what, why is he taking well, so long? You know, you're, you, you thought you were a little Scottish. Does he not understand the gospel? Like, yeah. I, like, you don't have to be double digits. Are you waiting to be double digits? Because I was like, I don't know what the age of accountability is, but all I know is I don't want to die. I was a bit of like Blumer, and I thought that, uh, age, of age of accountability. Yeah, yeah and I mean, he says he but, says it's not a biblical thing, so he understands oh, okay, it's good. not a, a biblical thing. And just for you guys out there, sorry, you cannot use David's child story to prove that. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So yeah, we can move on. Still sleeping with a pound puppy. It's like a free pass. Uh, yeah, I went. I remember. I, by the way, we're using a lot of Christianese. Yeah. The age of accountability is the age at which if you aren't a Christian and you die. You won't go to hell because, or just before that, you, yeah, because you don't, you're not you old enough. Make the, you can't make the decision for yourself, and it's nowhere in the Bible. It's just something you kind of have to come up with theologically because if you don't have it, it's you, and you don't, it's too bad. Well, yeah, yeah. I understood it that day, right? And so I got up the gumption and I went forward, and I remember that they, they paired you off with people, and I got to be led in a prayer. And let me stop real quick on that because yeah. I, I do think it's a worthy aside. Yeah. Probably yeah. need to write a blog about it, or you know, yeah. put something together about it, uh, a little pamphlet. So, age of accountability is a, is a nice idea. The reality is this. God can save whom he wants to save, and he can damn who he wants to damn. Mm-hmm. There is a point with children, right, where we would assume that God's wrath and God's grace are going to be demonstrated righteously, right? Mm-hmm. It's very clear in Genesis 50, Joseph, or excuse me, in uh, Genesis 18, uh, Abram says, will not the God of all the earth do right? Mm-hmm. Right? God will do right. Yeah. I cannot stand in front of the casket of a little child and say, I know that they went to heaven. Just like I can't stand in front of the casket of a 95-year-old person and say, I know objectively they went to heaven. God knows the heart. God mm-hmm. also is able to save whom he wants to save. So an aborted child, right? It's God's grace and mercy and God's goodness that we have to trust that he will do right. It would be incredibly wrong for me to say every little child who was ever aborted is is going to heaven. I don't know. Scripture does not give me that clarity. The clarity I have is that the God of all the earth will do right. What is right? I measure it according to what God does, not according to my human autonomous mind. And so if you are an individual who has had a child die, uh, as a young age, at a young age, or if you are a parent who's had a child die in the womb, that is incredibly painful, and I don't want to be at all flippant, but here's the hope that you can take. The Lord of all the earth will do right. Yeah, and again, what are you going to heaven for is the other question, because you want to go to heaven and see your kid, right? If you have a kid that passes away, very young age, you know, from conception to, you know, 10 years old, whatever. Um, if you're going, oh, if he, if they're not there, then I don't want to be there. Well, that exposes your heart. And I would so. tell you again, 
when you go to the story of David when his child, his infant child dies, mm-hmm. he says, I'll go to you. What was it? Well, David's hope was in God to do yeah. right. Yeah. And so he knew God would do right. Yeah. I mean, David, the word Sheol is the grave, so yeah. he could go to. So we'll mention it here yeah. is that he'll go to Sheol, but the son would never return yeah. because he can't raise out of the grave yes. back into David's arms, right? So Dave could go to the grave, but can't return. So you can't use that. Yeah, yeah. And people try to abuse that just for that comfort. But again, where do you get your comfort from? Do you get your comfort from um, knowledge of created beings or comfort from knowledge from the uncreated triune God who's revealed himself as good and just and holy and merciful and gracious? Where are, where's your hope lie? And again, that's going to end up exposing where your heart is and where you need to wrestle and believe the gospel and move forward in freedom. You know, I was 10. This girl was like in high school. It was amazing. Yeah. And she said, repeat after me. And I, I accepted what Jesus did for me. And from and at that point, I'm like, Jesus rose from the dead. He saved my life. I'm glad I don't have to worry about that hell thing anymore. And I owe this guy everything. This preacher or Jesus? Jesus. Okay. And I really like Scottish people. <laughs> now, <laughs> might be Irish, but right? I want to talk to him because they are scary. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm doing this. This is, this is my life now. I got it. I got it all set, set up. Mm-hmm. And I'm singing in the choir next week. I'm singing in the choir with a bunch of adults the next on the following Sunday. Still wearing our contact 88 t-shirts. I'm beaming. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little bit jealous. I think I should have waited. I sing the choir. I'm going to fast forward to high school and tell a, a second snapshot that was just very formative. So in high school, um, everything. We were still very involved in church and in youth group. I mean, if I had to rank the things that I associated my identity with, yeah, I was I was a soccer player in high school and pretty amazing at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what else I would say besides that, uh, but that would be number three. Mathalympia. Mathalympia. But number one would definitely be that I was a Christian. You know, everybody knew that. that like, we were really involved in our youth group. Our, we had friends who weren't involved, but like our closest friends were. And we, you know, we were we were truly devoted to God as as high school. We climbed around, but we were we were devoted. Mm-hmm. Um, and we understood it not just as a belief system, God, but as a relationship according with God. to like what? Last week, that was yeah, I mean, it's it's just an assertion here, and so yeah. that would be something to learn more about. Like, what do you believe is true to devotion was. to God? Yeah. You know, is it about, you know, the, the questions would be, you know, is it about, well, yeah, being a part of a church is a good thing, but is the church the end, or is it a means to something? Um, a lot of people treat the church as an end. Like, you end up making your decision, and here you are doing your thing until you die or Christ comes back, right? It's not a means for anything. It's not a means to be equipped for works of ministry to where then you are doing works of ministry at your work, where you might be called to be a missionary, you might be called to be a pastor, you might be called to be a church planner, you might be just called to be at home with a family. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of different things, and that's what you're there for. It's a means to an end to glorify God. So did you know that? You know, so there's a lot of questions to be asked. We can't just take his statement as face value that he knows what he's talking about. That's right. But the, again, he's being honest um, in giving his interpretation of his life, and we need to hear that. We need to not shun him or smack him in the face and go, you just didn't know what you're talking about. But we need to recognize, again, what was he taught and what did he understand and why didn't he wrestle anymore and what was the reasons for quit- quitting, you know? Yeah. And is it reasonable? Something that we were actively pursuing talking to God through prayer in a conversational way, um, really figuring out how the Bible applied to our everyday lives. And it, it, we tended to, you know, you'd boil it down to some, some, some oversimplified things, or at least in action. Like we didn't cuss, not in public at least, right? Uh, we didn't fool around with our girlfriends, or we felt guilty about it when we did at least. That's, that's more, yeah, that's and good. we definitely did not drink. Oh, that, was, that was an easy one. That was an easy one. I mean, that was, it was illegal. Yeah. Um, that, would, that, that would be extreme. Um, I did listen to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but I felt bad about it, and I was called out on it by some of our 
my friends in the youth group. But, yeah, and I uh, want to understand. I just want to let you know anybody know. I I lived the same thing. You know, I wasn't in the Baptist church. I was in Assemblies of God, but it was just that same sort of air in the room where you know you felt guilty for these things you got called in for these little piddly legalistic things because i know i got caught wearing a smashing pumpkins t-shirt at walmart once and (laughs) a girl in the youth group apparently told the youth pastor about that i got called in the office you know and even though there was half there was some truths now that i can i can remember being told it was still um you know people look up to you you're a leader and at the at that time i was fighting like well, they shouldn't look up to me. You know, I didn't want that. Okay. Well, I should have cared about that part. Yeah. But the the bad part was they were just going. It was it was about the external. Uh, you listen to Smashing Pumpkins, right? That's just evil. You should throw your CDs away. <laughs> kind of, and that was the mentality of the youth group. So I totally get the youth group thing. This is what happens whenever you do a something in your church that's not biblical. Yeah. Whenever you're segregating communities. So that's called God's judgment, and it works out that way. Yeah. So you were experiencing, you were a part of something that your church shouldn't have been actually doing, and they should actually be including you in the whole congregation. Giving times are where you peers can hang out with each other and enjoy each other, but you should actually not probably be a separated group to where you feel like you have your own little church within that's the right. church. That's right. And so this is the judgment of God um, in churches like that. Yeah, because we're not doing it the way he has revealed. We have come up with our own and trying to reason you up just like, why are you here today? Because you're doing the same thing. And so I I feel for you because I understand your situation. It's just you're over. You went over here and I'm here. That's right. And so we need to figure out like, you know, I want to call you brother. And so how do we get you back? Yeah, that's what we're here for. Um, One Saturday night. Uh, our friend Trent, who was not involved in our youth group, I'll just, I'll just put it that way, uh, his parents were out of town that weekend, so he threw a party on a particular Saturday night. You know what story I'm going to tell? Uh-huh. Um, I remember this night. So he threw this party, and I decided to go. I was um, 16, I was able to drive myself, and I told my mom I'm spending the night at Trent's house. He was fine with that. Um, you did not go to this party at all. I wasn't right. there for any, and then left. You, you may have been there earlier, but my recollection is that you were not there at all, but you could have left early. That's my um, recollection, but we know how recollection goes around here. Um, I definitely know what happened after you left if you were there, and that's, they broke into Trent's parents' liquor cabinet. Or I think they just opened it. Right. Started drinking. Yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't changed. Um, Trent's older brother was there. That seemed to make me a little more comfortable. But I wasn't. I wasn't going to drink because that wasn't me. I mean, we were. We. You know, I had to preserve my witness. Is what you call it. When it's like your your reputation is someone who's like God is God is enough for me, so I don't have to search for other ways to be happy. It was like this message that you were trying to send. I think to your to our friends. That's what we wanted to do. But after a while, I just I was like, you know what? Screw it. I just want to have a little fun. I'm going to drink for the first time ever, and I did. Yeah. So a I lot. mean, was it in his life? You know, was it was he really wanting to please God or not? So we're getting that sort of mis, mixed message. He wanted to preserve a witness. So was he buying into this legalism, this externalism? Did he ever really actually internalize? So this is again going to be like, he's not going to want to hear it, but that's whenever the position is, I don't think you were a Christian, dude. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's what they're afraid of. That's what they have already like. We don't, they, they don't like that, you know? And, but the thing is, is you're like, who, who, who did you look to? Where did you go? You're going to say that was one of your, your, uh, or the, he's, he's going to say that's one of his like Bible verses, kind of his little motto, um, here in a minute, um, that he wrote down was, you know, to whom shall I go kind of a thing. Um, but where did he go? And apparently he didn't go to Christ. That's right. Um, and, uh, the majority of everybody there was, was drinking and, and I got drunk. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything specific that I regret besides maybe the decision to break the law. And it was, you know, lie to my mom. And, but my, I was just, you probably did some annoying things. I was, I, I'm sure I did a lot of annoying things. Right. I was very silly and that didn't feel too great. And it, so I remember when, when the party had died down and everybody was like, everybody was crashing wherever they were going to crash. I crashed in this guest room with our friend Jason. They were like, 
you know, trying to go to sleep. And I just remember staring at the ceiling and feeling so guilty. And I said out loud to him, I was like, man, this guy, I'm supposed to be an example to him is what it means to have a relationship with God. I'm like, I just, want, I just feel so bad. What I did, that's not me, man. This isn't me. This is, I just remember saying, this isn't me. I'm just really sorry I did this. And he was like, hey, man, just, just go to sleep. You'll be all right. <laughs> um, just go to sleep. Next morning, we woke up and uh, Jason was in there scrambling eggs for everybody. It was just a new day. It was like nothing had happened. But for me, it was like my life had changed. I, I just, like, it was that big of a mistake mm-hmm. in my mind. And um, Jason said, you should suck on some pennies. <laughs> and I was like, what? He said, when you go home, you got all the secrets. On the way home, you need to suck on some pennies so your mom doesn't smell liquor on your breath. She just smells money. <laughs> and so I had to get home because I was, I had to go to, I had to church. Yeah. And, um, you know, my head was pounding, had a hangover, felt horrible. Um, and I opened my ashtray when I got in the truck to drive off and I just racked up all my loose change mm-hmm. and I got a handful of pennies and threw them in my mouth and sucked on pennies all the way home. Ugh. I felt so bad when I got home. I told my mom, I can't, I don't feel good. I, I can't, I can't go to church today. And she's like, okay, fine. And then, but we did have to go to nannies for lunch because you don't miss nannies for lunch. Right. And I, I could not get off the couch. I felt so bad. So I'm laying on the couch and after lunch, they're, they're all sitting there hanging out. And I'm just laid out. And I remember my mom looking at me and just saying, Link, you look, you look like you've, you're hung over. <laughs> and I was just like, I just, I well, think it was something I ate. What does that mean? I think it was pennies. I ate pennies. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just sucked on it. I didn't swallow. That was all she said. And I, we never, my mom and I never talked about it uh, since then. It's not one of those things that comes don't up. Listen to this. Sorry, mom. Um, but that afternoon, you came by, we got in your car, and we were hanging out, and we did what we would always do when we were 16, 17 years old, is that we would just drive around and talk and listen to music. Right. I remember we were doing that this day, and I knew that you were going to find out that I had gotten drunk the night before. I mean, if I didn't tell you, somebody else was going to tell you. And that, it would be better for you to find out from me. Whew, that was tough. I remember we were driving, and I, I told you at Trent's party last night, I, I got drunk. And you looked at me and you slowed the, slowed the car down and then you pulled over on the side of the two lane country road that we were driving down the side of the field. And I looked at you and you looked at me and you said, get out. <laughs> oh, wow. And I, I said, what, what to get out, man. And I opened the door, I got out and just picture an extremely wide cinematic shot of a guy standing on the side of the road beside the car. In the middle of nowhere, Harnett County, just fields and a few farmhouses in every direction you look. And you drove off. Uh, <laughs> and I still, Man. And yeah. So there's the home. reality that yeah. we teach our youth. Yeah. I'm going to reject this person completely. Yeah. And it's one of those. I mean, yeah. and, it, and we do have to own, you know, why couldn't you go to church hungover? And, you know, like, you don't want to repent. No. For one, um, no. churches can be harsh on people, but that's where you need to be. Yeah. That's where you need to be to go. I had, you know, I had this, I did this thing last night and I feel horrible about it. And then you have a whole community of people going, hopefully, even though there are abuses, um, this is why we need to reshape the church and how we actually treat each other. If we are in Christ, we are a new creation and we, right. we don't know Christ from a worldly perspective anymore. Neither do we know each other from a worldly perspective right. anymore. Amen. And so we need to go, hey, you know, I'm going to show up and yeah, I'm going to disappoint people, but then they're going to recognize that they've disappointed people too. And this is why you come to church is to, so, you know, he wasn't given that. And I'm going to say understandable too. Um, a lot of churches don't view it that way. And so where you can come in and you can be like, I had a party last night. I messed up. Um, you know, I got drunk. Um, I didn't care for anything. I know it's displeasing, but then again, if you would have remembered at that time, Christ, the Bible talks about there is no condemnation in Christ, right? You can come for forgiveness, but see, you already started down that path. I don't, I don't want to go to my church whenever I've done anything wrong, but I'll go over here. Yeah. (laughs) This is something I can't miss, but I can totally miss church. So did you have the right attitude for church? Understanding 
the sinful people in the church that would have beat beat you. But hopefully, you know, you can trust God and there'd be that one person. And it wasn't red either at that time. Yeah. Um, he was, he was on the Kool-Aid of legalism too. Just like you were, just like a lot of people are across. This is just the American gospel. Yeah. Amen. Well, because we'd driven all these roads, but it was we at were, least six miles away. Right. We were ways out. It was at least six miles, maybe eight from my house. I started walking because you just, you didn't stop. I mean, you went straight down that long straightaway and then you disappeared over the horizon. And I just started walking. Oh, and I started thinking about the decision I had made. And it was like the biggest decision. I guess I would have described it at the time as an act of rebellion. I don't know if that's what it was, but it was, it was a big mistake in my mind. And I just started crying, like weeping, like tears just, just flowing off my face and just walking on in the grass on the side of this road. And, uh, I, you know, I remember I, it was, it's hard to see where I was going, <laughs> you know, if I was going to step in something. And I remember looking up, how far did I have to go to even clear this hill? And then I saw you coming back over the hill. First, I saw your head. Then I saw your shoulders. And then you, you cleared the hill and you were walking. You weren't in your car. You were walking on the side of the road. And it was kind of awkward because it's a long ways to walk. So, okay, I get it. You're walking. But we finally did. We met. You know, we were walking towards each other. And uh, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I know it was basically, I'm so sorry for what I did. And I, it, it wasn't that I had, I wasn't sorry that I disappointed you. It was that I was so sorry that I disappointed God. And I mean, I don't think we, I don't think there was a hug. I don't think there was a handshake. I think that our MO at the time was like, just, we knew what we both felt and what we thought and about what had happened. And, um, I, you know, I interpreted it as a, as a, a, like a physical representation of not only the fact that you love me as a friend, but that God forgave me hmm. that, you know, I think and that's was, the gospel. And how, how can you leave that? You know, the gospel then, but you don't know the gospel. Like it's, it's, you have yeah. put your mind above Christ. Mm -hmm. You have put your will above Christ and not submitted every thought to Christ. You had not held every thought captive in submission to Christ. That's our verse for the show, <laughs> but that's the reality. Mm -hmm. Holding every thought captive to Christ. Mm -hmm. That is a key piece of what the gospel is. You don't walk away from that. You felt something, but you were not regenerate. And you should know that. Yeah. And you should, once you have identified that, rather than going your own way, mm -hmm. come to repentance. Because Christ Jesus is enough. Christ Jesus is enough. Christ Jesus is the only logical way. Mm-hmm. But he's God, so don't submit to your synergistic mind. Yeah. And so I think that's a really good conclusion conclusion sort of of this of this episode anyway. I think we can go on to um the rest of it on a second part. Yeah, sounds um, good. But yeah, because we've gone an hour and everything. But yeah. I think that, that gives us that uh right um perspective on the the issue, the talk, the situation as we go forward. So we hope um that this becomes a good uh a good example of what evangelism should look like. You know, let's talk about what evangelism to a guy like this um, and his situation and his feelings uh, looks like um, utilizing the presuppositional idea. And um, I would and, encourage and you, if you are a parent with youth, uh, with kids in your house, ask them if they've seen this episode of 
Ear Biscuit or listen to it um, and engage in what it means to reason. Yeah. Engage in what it means to hold every thought captive. You know, it's a really interesting thing. And, and I, I know we're closing up here, but I remember, uh, you know, as a youth, because we're pretty similar in age to these guys. I think they're a little bit older than us, not a whole lot. But the reality is I remember sitting in many youth uh, events and they would ask you, are you really sure that you have accepted Christ? The reality is, have you repented of your yeah. sins and trusted that Christ is enough? Today. And then you wake up the next day, same question. The next day, same question. Because that's perseverance of the saints. So stop eternal security. Stop once saved, always saved. Yeah. It's, it's perseverance of the saints is a much more biblical, and it's actually biblically defined. You can read in the canons of Dort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can read it throughout history. Um, but it's what Peter calls people to. It's what Paul calls people to. Um, again, this is the fruit showing. I can we can tell by the fruit. Bad bad tree, bad fruit. Good tree, good fruit. We can only be made a good tree, right? We can only be grafted into the vine. So um, the big the big question, yeah, we need to go over. You know what it is. But first, what is the gospel? Do these people really understand the gospel, and are we going to be consistent with the gospel? Um, including ourselves, treating ourselves the way the gospel, in the gospel we should treat ourselves and treat others. Um, but firstly, you can't make sense of the second law without the first, loving God with all your heart, soul, body, and mind, right? And strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. You get rid of the top one, the the second one becomes unintelligible. Right. And so, uh, like I said, this is a good ending ending spot, and uh, we'll uh, pick up another part two. Maybe we'll do part two on Rhett sometime, so we're at least talking about four episodes uh, talking about this. Um, but, you know, we want to uh, tag Ear Biscuit. Um, if you guys uh, could help us, just, like, tag Ear Biscuit, because, like, I would, I would like to – it's not for their people. It's not for their fame or anything. Um, but if nobody from our camp has – contacted them, them or anything yeah. you know like help us uh see if we can get a get a conversation with them that's right um because that'd be awesome if we're going to be youtubers if we're going to be podcasters yeah we're a little we're we're a little business so what's yeah, there's we, nothing to be afraid of you know we're not like some major... we don't ask people for money we don't sell t-shirts <laughs> yeah, but if you could don't... if you could uh in this episode you know if you are an ear biscuit listener or a mystical morning listener or whatever that, you know, if it's one of your fun time things, um, please, you know, just be like, these guys want to talk to you, tag, you know, share this, um, tag them um, in a comment or however you want to please help us. Cause I, you know, this would be a great conversation. These guys are in a good position um, to have the conversation. It looks like. Yeah. Um, so um, we'll continue on. Um, be back uh, later today time. at yes. four o'clock. Yeah, so with, with uh, Coyle, Coyle, Dr. Yeah. Coyle Neal from yeah. Southwest Baptist University. Yeah, and we'll, so we're, and then we'll continue the conversation with uh, of uh, critical race theory and intersectionality with him. And then at six o'clock, we will be back after that to talk with Sonny Hernandez about his upcoming debate. So here in Springfield, that we are moderating. Mm-hmm. So with that said, this is the Tag Year Podcast. I'm Ray Ray, and I'm Dave, and Soli Deo Gloria.